you know what, Kelly, you're doing this to yourself. You're watching what you look like. You're watching your profile or how your face looks. Instead of appreciating the the bravery, the courage it took to get here. Failing. 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 I know. When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Listeners, you probably don't know this, but this is going to be one of my last episodes for a while. I'm going to be taking a break and I could not, well, I'll have a couple, but not many more, but I could not be happier to have Kelly Selig on this today. Kelly was referred to me by my wonderful executive coach. She's an author. And I think when my coach found out about your book, Kelly, she sent it to me right away in the mail. It's called Right Brain Girl, Left Brain World. It's amazing, you all. For all you women uh, professionals, it's just inspiring. And some hard stories to read. But Kelly is an author. She's a marketing advisor, brand builder, executive coach. And she's worked in Silicon Valley for most of her career. So welcome, Kelly. Oh, thank you, Sarah. So nice to be here. And and I too love Susan. So I appreciate yeah. that she sent me your way. Such She's such a little gift. She's such a little connector. She is. She definitely All is. All right, Kelly, I, I want to hear about where did you grow up? Tell me about your family, your parents, where they worked, siblings, etc. All right. So we'll start at the beginning. Um, I actually yeah. grew up in a small town in Connecticut. Okay. Um, I am the oldest of three girls, uh, which came with its own interesting nuances. Uh, but I grew up in a a really a quintessential little town. What was that, it called? It was called Canton, Connecticut. Canton, Connecticut. And okay. It's probably all of 8,000 people. Um, wow. But it was such a collective, community-oriented environment, you know, where everybody looked out for everyone else. And Mm -hmm. it was a great place to grow up. Um, I really enjoyed it. My dad was a social worker. My mom at that time was more of a stay-at-home mom. But then she, after we had grown enough, she went back and got her degree and went on to have- In social work work too? In her so no, she actually got it in sociology. What okay, what do you do in with a sociology degree? Because <laughs> well, I almost got one. She almost she did a few different things and looked at a few different things. Um, and then kind of everything shifted when in my senior year of high school, we moved to California. We moved to Northern California. Uh, which was a big shift for, you know, this small town girl that I was and for all of us, for the family, it was definitely different because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you plunked down in the middle of San Jose areas where we landed, um, of, you know, 11 million people as opposed to 8,000, very wow. different world. Um, but and this is your, this is your senior year. Yes. Of high is, school. Yes. This is my senior okay. year of high. It was right before my senior year of high school. And I had gone to school with the same kids from, I mean, all the way through. Kindergarten up. Yeah. 
So I read in your book, you actually came back and finished senior year in Connecticut. I did. My parents made a, they made an arrangement and they said, if you go out there and try it for half a year and you really don't like it, we'll let you come back and graduate here. And it wasn't that I really didn't like it. It just was so unfamiliar. And yeah. I really wanted to graduate with my friends. So I did end up coming up mid-year, lived with some friends of the family and finished my senior year back in Canton, which was really nice because it provided me some much needed closure, I think, on that oh. part of my life. Yeah. Okay. And then where do you go to college? So came out here, um, ended up going to college at San Jose State University, which is very close okay. uh, to where, to actually where I am now even. Um and decided to get a degree. I knew, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to be or do, but I did know I grew up just kind of reading poetry and I was very much that, that right brain creative soul growing up. Yeah. But I also knew I love technology and I love business and I loved all that entailed. So I decided advertising was the degree I was going to go for. And, you know, it provided a little bit of each. And yeah. so I went and got my degree at San Jose State and launched from there. Okay, give us some timelines here because I want to tie it back to your to your career also. So what year do you, do you graduate from college? So I graduated from college in 87. I'm dating myself now, Sarah. Um, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> there's wisdom with that. So 87 and the so there's no email yet. Uh, there are no cell phones. There's no internet, right? No. I mean, really. As a matter of fact, I remember at the very first job I had, which I started off in agencies, the very first job I had, they had a, uh, they had a fax machine. Do you remember those? Of course. And, and I like my first job fax machines too. Yeah. We faxed and everything. I did that. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I worked for a market research company. And so we would fax, and I'm sure you hired many a market research company. And we would fax over all the questions that we would ask people. I mean, and then all the results. It was so much paper. I can't even. Oh my God. I know. And it was, it was like, that was mind blowing, right? You can't even imagine using such a thing now. Right. It was. So so you're in, you're, you, you go into marketing and how do you then get, get into working for tech companies? So actually the agency world was great training ground for me because I was Mm -hmm. working on mostly tech companies. So I learned a lot about a lot of different industries um, and I really enjoyed that world. I, I, I also learned what, you know, great design is all about and what, you know, phenomenal writing looks like and what all that takes to develop. So it really ingrained in me this appreciation for the art of it all, mm-hmm. which I like. You're sort of like drawn, to, attracted to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it also just, um, it taught me, it served me well in you know, my future career, because it really is more than just, I mean, it's turned into such a science now, but that's so many years later, but there really Mm -hmm. is a lot of, you know, creative development that goes into campaigns and things and brainstorming and collaboration that really makes things great. And I think that has stayed with me 
throughout my career an appreciation for what, you know, good collaboration, good writing, good design and where that can take you. Yeah. All right. So you see, you're doing, you're working for agencies. You guys have clients that are tech companies. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that you write about that I appreciate, you know, living in Cincinnati, Ohio, tech companies seem like this big, sexy, cool, you know, everybody wants to work for them. But then you also have the shadow part of that too, right? Like male dominated world and that it gets kind of greedy and, you know, like sort of balances those two. So I'd love to hear your experience in that world. Um, yeah. So, so after the agencies, I actually went into my first startup um, in, and that was in the late nineties. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mid to late nineties. I started in my first startup was, which really was um, my first exposure to the true Silicon Valley that everybody talks about, right? That small company. I think I was employee number 26. So it was wow. really early. Um, and I was brought in to run marketing, which I will fully say I was very far over my head. <laughs> the imposter syndrome there was real. <laughs> but you know what? Um, the beautiful thing and the thing I still love about Silicon Valley and these smaller companies is that everyone is out for a singular mission, if you will. It is yes. to make you know, this product that we believe in so successful and all eyes are focused on that. And so there's a lot of, there is a lot of camaraderie to that, you know? Yes. Um, Collaboration and yeah, yeah. we're in it in the trenches together. Yeah. And figuring it out together is, so, you know, so much of what we were doing was new. And I, I remember, <laughs> I'll tell you this, we were doing a launch of the first product and back then it was like websites were a new, bigger thing. And we're launching the product. And I think like two weeks out, I was sitting with my boss and he's like, we need a website. I'm like, oh, wow, you're right. We do. And I'm like, this is back when it was actually hard to do them. Yes. You didn't have a template that you could get from Wix. <laughs> no, we did not. Um, and, you know, we, we made it happen. We just, it was always a, let's just, okay, we got to do this, figure it out, do it. Um, which I appreciated. And I have to say, I learned so much from that role. We, you know, I went on to build a team. We had a really nice exit as we call it. And then we got bought by Sun. So it was like in three years, this amazing run that happened that. Um, so once you are part of something like that, makes it big or gets bought or whatever, then like, are people trying to recruit you? Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that the, this one that I was a part of, and it's called Cobalt Networks. Um, it was such an inclusive group. We still, we just had a 20 year reunion a couple years ago Oh wow! because it's, it was just, there was only like 200 of us. And at the end of it all, and we still, we were just really tight and it really formed a bond that we've kept. But yes, people do notice, you know, when things go well. Um, and the Valley was in boom stage for sure at that point. That's Everything. what I was going to say. That yeah. was a total, that was the whole bubble. Yeah. 
before the bubble burst. Yeah. And so I personally, actually, once we got bought by Sun, got recruited to go work in their advertising division up in at, at Sun Central. And I did that for about a year, but then really, I mean, to your point, I realized I could um, go out on my own and Mm -hmm. do some consulting for other startups and go do that same run. And I have to say, I missed it. You know, a big company is such a different dynamic than the small company was. Although I learned a lot there too, because it was so global. Of course. But you also know what you like, you can have a, both are good, but you could have a preference. Exactly. So tell me, tell me what impetus for the book. Yep. Like why? Well, I think I, I kept going kind of up the ladder, right? And as I got, yes. as I realized, I got to this point, um, actually I got a job, which I thought was my dream job. And I was already noticing the further, the higher up I got, the less women there were, right, mm-hmm. in the room. And I started to learn the rules of what playing in, you know, that that male-dominated environment entailed. Um, And I adapted because I wanted to play. Um, What brought me to the book is I I actually got what I would have considered my dream job. And the reason it was my dream job is really important because it was my dream job because it was an executive team that just embraced me. They, they went at, you know, they not only thought my ideas were valuable, they came after them. They sought me out to brainstorm. And I felt like I had arrived. You felt valued. I did. I did. I felt, I felt like everything I was bringing was valuable to them where I don't know if I'd felt that like that before. Um, and so it was great. I was like, I am never leaving. We are going to take this. It's going to be a rocket ship, you know, all of that. And then about a year, year and a half in things changed. They brought in some other executives and the tides turned a little bit for me. And all of a sudden I felt a bit outside of that circle. And in retrospect, I have to say, I don't know if it's harder never to have it or having it and losing it is almost yeah. crushing, right? In a way. And then when you are losing, when you're, st- when you recognize that you're starting to lose it, then what do you do in response to that? Do you let it go? Do you fight for it? I fought for it initially. And I will say it was not my finest hours of my career because you know, that desperate mm-hmm. feeling, you're just like, you're I just, know. it's, it's, it's really nonsensical and thinking back, but I did for a while. And then I came to this moment where I was like, I don't even recognize myself anymore. Really? Like what? Give me an example. I was sitting, I I can, yeah, I can give you a great example. I was having this argument with the CEO about something and it was just spiraling out of control. And I'm a pretty controlled person. I mean, I'm always nice. I'm always gracious. I'm just, that's who I am. We were literally yelling at each other. Like I, and I stopped in the middle of it. I'm like, who are you? And you have, I don't know if you've ever had this moment in your life where I was literally looking outside of myself, back at myself going, I don't know that person. Who is that? And, and that made me really stop and go, what's going on? Okay. This needs to change. Yeah. 
And pretty quickly after that, I just made the decision. I'm like, I need to leave and I need to go figure it out. I I understand exactly what you're talking about. And I just experienced that recently. Uh, I got COVID and then I had a double ear infection. And so I felt terrible. And, you know, oh, and I was on a steroid. And, you know, when you snap at something and and then you realize, I just can't believe I just snapped. I mean, I like snapped about something. Like I didn't physically harm them, but like got angry and irritable. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I just within a millisecond snapped. I, I had no control over it. You know what I mean? Like, and I think stress, illness, being like not doing the work that you're supposed to be doing will, will create that. Yeah. And I think, and there was, in me, there was a part of burnout too. I realized after the fact. Good point. Yes. You know, I just worked too long and too hard and hadn't really taken time to check it all and going, you know. Um, So what did you do? Did you leave there? I did. I left very shortly after I left. I, I mean, I tried to make it all good on leaving and consulted for a little while, but I knew that there was something that something that I needed to connect to back in me and I need to figure out what was going on. And that kind of led me on the journey, which is, is really what the book takes me through a few. And it was, it's a few small moments that really had lasting effect. Earlier you mentioned uh, when you worked with that startup, you said we had a singular mission and that's what really was that connector. Do you feel like you were trying to find out your singular mission at that point? You know, I've never thought about it like that, but yes, I think you that's perfectly said. Yes, I was trying to I was trying to reconnect. I realized and as I went through some of these things, I realized that by a, by always adapting to the environment that existed, Yes. And it was a male dominated environment. It was rules were written by them for them and worked for them. And I was always the one adapting into this or accommodating what was around me. And I realized that by doing that, I lost much of myself in that. And I found mm-hmm. that even when I stepped back, you know, stepped back, did a few fun things and then really looked at myself and went, who are you? Like, who are you? And it's a, it is a, I'm guessing it's a moment we all have at some point in our life, but I kind of went on, I decided like I always do when I get in that moment, I'm like, I need to stretch myself. I need to do things I would never do. I need to, you know, I'm sure you're a believer too, but I'm a believer that if you step up and just step out, that things show up for you to kind of guide your way. And it absolutely did totally. And I want you to tell the dancing um, story because <laughs> yeah. I think there are such beautiful analogies and life lessons in that. Yeah, especially hold your frame. Yep. That, and that was I again just a simple thing. But um, so I decided as I'm doing all these random things, I decide Dancing with the Stars was the hot thing on television, <laughs> and I decide I am going to take dancing lessons. And you know, like me, this is in the course of. 36 hours, right? So like, that morning, I know I'm ridiculous. And no, I'm- no, actually, 
you are my soul sister. Okay. <laughs> I want to show you the roller skates that I have been, that I've just bought two days ago and I've been wearing them around my house. Okay. All right. We are soul sisters. I love it. Um, so anyway, so I call and then they have this special with a private dance teacher that night. Right. So I have, I mean, I guess it's good. I have no time to think about this really because I'm, you just do it. I'm not a dancer. Like I'm, I'm still not a dancer and I've taken lessons, but so I show up and I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. Right. And so, um, I, I go in and there's a couple things that I, and I'll just cut to the moments that kind of stop me in all of this. Um, yeah. It was uncomfortable. It was intimidating. It was all of the things you'd expect it to be. But I don't even know if I've ever been in a dance studio before, <laughs> but it is surrounded <laughs> by mirrors. It is like mirrors, right. 360, right? So while I'm feeling so uncomfortable and out of sorts, I'm watching myself, which uh-huh. we know as women, we are so critical of ourselves. And I, if I say anything, stop, just stop. <laughs> because I, I had this moment when I was sitting in the break and I'm like, you know what, Kelly, you're doing this to yourself. You're watching what you look like. You're watching your profile or how your face looks. Instead of appreciating the, the bravery, the courage it took to get here. Yes. Instead of. Yeah. And the fact that your body can actually do this. Yeah, exactly. Some people like could. All, all these things. And it was, and I realized it was a choice that I was making. So that was definitely one of the moments, right? Yes. The second moment, we got back into the second half of the class. Um, the instructor, you know, I was just letting him lead me around in our simple steps there, following his lead. And and he stopped me and he said, he said, Kelly, you have to push back against me. He's like, the beauty of the dance is the two people holding their posture and moving across the floor. And I'll tell you, if they had the mind-blown <laughs> emoji back then, <laughs> <laughs> they were going off in my head because I'm like, that is exactly how I have been living my career. I have been letting men lead. I have been letting, I have played on their dance floor and I have adapted to everything they told me I needed to be to succeed. Yes. And it was, it was really, it was really, it really was a moment. Everybody asked me, is that true? I'm like, it is so true. Kelly, what was your, what was, if you don't mind me asking, and you don't have to talk about this if you don't want, what, what is your relationship with your dad like? Um, it's good. I mean, you know, my parents live very close to me, actually. I see them often. That's nice. Um, it's good, but my, I, I will say, and he'll probably listen to this. So I love you, dad. But um, it, it is one of, I think because there were three girls and I was the oldest, there were expectations that I felt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And that I wanted to fulfill, honestly, for a long time. You wanted to be the good daughter. The, yeah. Yes. And, and, and also, maybe I even think, the son he didn't yeah. have. Oh. You know? I think there was a there was a lot mixed in there, which was why I was striving and just striving and not really questioning. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. And trying to fit in in a, in a man, man's world. Yep. Yep. And I had, you know, I had wonderful women that were beside me that would tell me, you know, Kelly, you've got to, you've got to, 
you know, forgive the, but bitch it up a little bit. You've got, you can't be so nice. They're going to walk all over you and all these things. And I've, even when they said it, it just didn't ring true to me. It just made me a little bit more fearful and maybe, you know, step back, build up some armor maybe as I was going into these things. So it was, was and I'll be honest, that's not a me thing either. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have I, to be. I would an struggle with thing. that. I mean, right? Yes, I and I also like the whole book is really about me finding my voice. But um, yeah. okay, can I read this quote? I really yes, like so much. Yes. Okay, you write. I had an interesting realization that you turn off pieces of yourself. The truth is, I had certainly dialed my femininity way down. This is not to say that I walked around wearing boxy suits or cursed up a storm. However, I definitely didn't emphasize the fact that I am a woman. I, this rang so true to me. And I think it, it also connects with what we were just talking about, which is this like femininity at work and, and how, do you, how do we embrace the femininity in leadership? I'm in a sales organization. So in sales, how do I embrace that? Yeah, that's a tough one. And, and I commend you for being in sales. That's a tough ride. (laughs) Um, um, Yeah, I, you know, I have to say, like, so much of this stuff was after the fact, I realized. But I grew up when I grew up, I played sports, I was a bit of a tomboy anyway. So is it maybe a little bit easier for me to turn that down? But there's, you want to be a part of the group. And, you know, Uh when guys get together, you know, they're talking about sports and they're talking about, and they're just, I mean, it's so much better now, frankly, but when I was going through it, um, it was was really hard to fit in. And so I just felt like that was the way I fit in. And I, you know, I say this lovingly to any woman who chooses any other way to fit in, have at it because we all find our way to have our voices heard. That was my way. But I get it. It's hard to break through the familiar, I think I would say. Mm-hmm. It's hard to break through the familiar. Meaning uh, two people have the familiarity. It's hard to break no. it through into that. No, what do you mean? No, I mean it's hard to uh, – um, the male-dominated – executive teams that exist. There's so, and you know, working in tech, it's, it's a lot. And they're all familiar with how the rules work. They've grown up with it. They've, many of them have grown up with each other as they get to be executives. They've known each other for years. They're old friends. They have this, this familiar that, that I always felt like I had to figure out a way in, Um, which is a bit exhausting, Uh, honestly, and I don't do it anymore, but (laughs) which I love that you choose not to do that anymore. <laughs> okay. Tell me your coaching piece. Well, I think, so it plays right into actually what we're talking about. So, you know, when I went to, I went to coaching school um, and as I said, you know, it always life leads you back. I was at this spa and this, I went to take this, this class of finding your life's purpose. I'm like, okay, I need that. Right. And then I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was talking to the, the woman who was teaching it and we were talking about coaching and I said, you know, I, I do feel like I have some natural skills as a mentor or I like managing. I just like, you know, I feel, I like, I like seeing people thrive. 
Yeah. And so she's like, well, there's this coaching, great coaching school. It's internationally recognized. And she gave me the name. So I went home, looked up the coaching school, looked up every coaching school because, you know, that's what I do. That's what you do. <laughs> and then uh, picked it. And the one she had mentioned, oddly enough, was an hour from my home. And they had a class starting in like a week and a half. And wow. again, I'm like, I'm in. Universe. Exactly. Exactly. And I really do want to stress that that if you go outside of yourself and you're not, what shows up for you is sometimes just amazing. Um, but it was, so I go to this school and it was a very immersive program. It was a six okay. month program. You would go there for like three days at a time and then okay. you'd go away and come back six weeks later. And so it was, and you know, I went and I was kind of, I, I look back and I was just, ugh. Um, you know, I, I it was, well, we, why, why? Well, I don't know. I think it was cause I was so not knowing who I was that oh. I walked in and I was like, it was very important for me to, for some reason, when we all introduced her, cause there's like 35 people in a, you know, in a round sure. circle and we're starting. And for some reason it was super important for me to introduce myself as a senior vice president of blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I look back at that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so, it's so ridiculous. And that, what I got from that space, I will be forever grateful because you travel with the same people through the class. Okay. I will be forever grateful for them because <laughs> it was truly Kelly going through coaching herself to yeah. find herself and to rebuild. And um, I thank every one of them for what they gave me, but it showed me too that it was a safe space. Like I hadn't felt before. These people wow. were literally all there to make each of us better. They were just warm and welcoming. And I felt like I could fail and, you know, do bad coaching or whatever it is with no ramifications. And I realized that I did not work in that kind of an environment up to that point. I had not, I had not seen that. And so what happened for me there is that some of the armor that I had built up started to fall away. You know, the like psychological safety is really big now, which is what you're really talking about in that safe space. And it seems like it's something that's so simple and yet it's not because we don't get it in a lot of places. And so then when we have it, you're like, Oh God, I got, I got to make sure now I've got it. I got to make sure that I keep it. You know, yeah. well, I, I have it at work now. I don't know that I've always had it, but I definitely have it at my current workplace, which is really wonderful. Which is so nice. And you're seeing more and more of it for sure. You know, it really is. It's happening yeah. more and more. And what it did for me is it gave me a chance to rebuild. It gave me a chance to decide and be an active participant in who I was going to become in this world. Um, and it just gave me the grounding to do that. How do you, um, cause, because I'm sure you're getting some big money to come back and work here and do that, you know, take this role in a company. How do you manage... Um, the temptation of the big paycheck versus what you're passionate. I don't want to say you're not passionate about it, but how do you manage that? No, no, it's a, it's a very good question. And I was just talking to a woman about that this morning. 
Um, well, for me, I made a conscious decision to go back into that world and, and replay the script in a different way. Right? I love that. I love that. I love that. And so um, now, but now I have the same thing. I'm a, I'm really, I've taken a writing sabbatical for a while and I'm really working so on cool. a second book. And, um, but I do get calls and I can tell you, I got a call uh, a few months ago and it was an exciting technology. I'm so curious that anything like that yeah, can just yeah. draw me in. Um, but I really, I now have the tools, I think, and to be fair, the self-confidence to step back and go, is this what you really want? Do you want to go do this again? And the Wait, what are the tools? What well, are the tools that you have? The, the tools I have is I know what I want. I've done a, I've done a lot of work, right? I've done a, between reading and courses I've taken and, you know, another course I'm just going to call out because it was really good. It's called Discover Your True North. I mean, yeah, Discover Your True North. Is that like the book? Yeah, there's Wasn't a book. Wasn't there a True North book yep. or something? It's an older book, but I read yeah. it and I, and I actually got to take the seminar and it was all about discovering who you are and bringing that to a leadership role. And this was okay. just a couple of years ago. So I'm still learning. Um, but the more- You want to know what's funny? As you were talking, I was like, I want to ask her what book she would recommend. And then you went right into the book. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah. It's Discover a, your true north. Yes. There's a couple. I'm going to, I'll give you a couple more in a second. But, um, but for me, it, it is- it's been about really, and I feel like women as a whole should do this more, but it really is about understanding that the value that we bring as women is truly valuable. This is like, I, 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 I say this to so many women. I'm like, you, exactly as you are. Exactly. Is a gift to this world and find a way to build that up in yourself so you can bring that. Because right now, I mean, I feel more than ever and I think we're a bit of a mess and we keep repeating. We keep doing the same yeah. thing, you know? So how do we break through? And I do really believe that women and men working together and figuring this out and being more collaborative and less competitive is where the world needs to go to solve some of these big problems that we have. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I know. I did feel like Sorry, I got I up on a pulpit or something there for a second. Sorry. Really good though. <laughs> and then I wanted to end the episode there, but now I'm like so curious about the books. So give me a couple other books. Okay. I just actually, I just read another one last week called okay. The Go-Giver. No, you might it's love this. The go giver. Yes. The go giver. It's a, again, it's okay. older, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I believe, you know, what he talks about is just how you give to receive. And even in a sales role in things, how you do that. And yes. I just do that in life. So I love that. My favorite of all time. And it's, yes. I read this book when my very first company the day it went public, I was away and I read this book this week and I had found it on a shelf, never heard about it, just accidentally happened into my hands. And it's called Leadership Wisdom by the Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. 
What? I know. Leadership Wisdom by the Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. And it's by Robin Sharma, who's still around. Um, It's an older book. It's a little bit harder to find these days. But that book just, it just really exemplified for me the kind of leader I want to be and I want to bring back. And I want to be an all-inclusive leader that cares about the people that work for me, the company I work for, the customers I serve, and honestly, the greater good, not to sound too, but no, 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 no. I, I, it really ha- is that, what I want to be. It's got to be something bigger than ourselves. Oh, absolutely. It always has to be. Yep. It always has to be. I agree. I agree. And I hope we're moving more toward that. I mean, I have, I have to say, I have had a, I've been very, very lucky in my career. I've had just the opportunity to work with amazing people doing amazing things in the world. And I'm very grateful for all of it. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I just see how much better it could be. Yeah. Well, that's supposed to be your gift to the world. I think because you see it, you will help impact it. I hope so. That is my hope. Right. That is my goal. I hope. Well, I hope I can. I think it is your hope and your goal because I do believe that, uh, like internal nudges or drives or things that get us excited is what we're supposed to be supposed to be doing. I believe that, Kelly. Yeah. I have loved talking to you. You, you. I always believe every person that I interview comes at the perfect time in my life because what you taught me, which I'm going to do in the next couple months, is to take a pause. And to just recharge, look at what's working with the podcast, maybe what I want to do differently, but just to take that pause. And I'm not always good about taking a pause because I've been rewarded for action and execution. And uh, so thanks for giving me that that example. And I think we all need it sometimes. It is good to take stock, stand back, and trust that it will be there when you're ready to go back to it, whatever that is. I think the trust is the hardest part. It is. I know that too. And I know, but I also know I can, I can hear my mind in coaching. They talk about a saboteur and that's that, yes, that, yes. that voice in your head. That's like, Oh my God, you'll never work again. Oh, oh, nobody's going to, you know, if you take a break, totally, it's like that saboteur and you have to just identify it and let it go. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you for being on today. You're so awesome. Readers, check out Kelly's book, Right Brain Girl, Left Brain World. It's amazing. And then your next book. Do you have a title for it yet? Not yet. Okay. Well, we'll have to keep us posted. Oh, definitely. And Sarah, thank you so much. I love the work that you've been doing. I mean, I'm glad you're taking the pause for you. Um, And I'm sure you'll come back in a big way. And I can't wait to to stand by and watch what that is. Thank you. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod.